2: Good afternoon and welcome to this episode of The Black Talk Radio Live Drive. If I, my name of course is Scotty Reed, I'm broadcasting from behind these enemy lines where liberty and justice for all is a farce. That's just something they like to say cause it sounds good. Where democracy is bought and paid for. And yeah, I'm do, I'm broadcasting from behind these enemy lines to bring you news and information during the next hour or so. Thank you for joining us. The the date is January 19th, 2015. It is a federally recognized holiday for Martin Luther King Jr. Um, Here is one thing that I would like to say about that in relation to uh, a post I saw on Facebook about MLK, uh, MLK Day. Uh, so to speak, and and they said that, you know, this is one man who showed what one man could accomplish. Um, I'm sorry, but the civil rights movement was not any accomplishments that were made by the civil rights movement. It was not by one man. There were tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of black people who uh, made Voting Rights Act and other civil rights legislation, Uh, possible all right so um when Dr. King went in there to sit down and negotiate with Lyndon Baines Johnson who actually I have made some radio commentaries of on about an article that said Lyndon Baines Johnson was a racist and a hero which is oxymoronic but when he went in there to sit down face to face with this racist Lyndon Baines Johnson um other people had paved the way for him to sit down at that table. Other people were giving him leverage. You know, um, again, in the movie Selma, it briefly shows the scene about Malcolm X uh, talking to Coretta Scott King and saying that I came down here with the hopes that these white people will listen to Dr. King, okay, because they'll see what the alternative is and what was the alternative by any means necessary, all right, including by arms. And so, um, while we recognize the contributions of Martin Luther King Jr., for which he gave his life, all right, um, you should really check out some of the speeches in the last year of his life as he became, uh, more radicalized because of he was just saying, you know, you can't trust these people. Uh, they tell you one thing and do a, Another. All right. So his his life was more than just about Selma, okay, or civil rights and things of that nature. So let's not forget all those other people, whether they were working with the Southern Christian Leadership Conference along with Dr. King, whether they were working with SNCC, whether they were in the Nation of Islam. All of those people, whether they, whether they were not even organizing or a part of anything, and they just rioted in the street, you know, cause what did Martin Luther King say that rioting is the language of the oppressed. All right. Didn't he say that? So all of those riots, all of those black people shooting back, okay. Robert F. Williams, all Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. All of them play the role, so it's never just about one person, all right? Um, Before I tell you what's up for today's program, I have something else I need to quickly get off of my chest just to get it out. I've already posted about it on Facebook, but it's still in me. I'm just outraged. I am just beside myself, and I'm just ready to, I mean, get in a boxing ring you know, with somebody. I'm telling you the truth. I don't even know this black person's name, this black man. um, He looks like he's around my age or possibly older. You know, it's hard to tell with TV. But he was asked a question by a reporter on MSNBC about the protest and stuff that's going on today that have been going on for months. And in some cities, for over a year, if we want to look at the uh, city of Baltimore and the good work of Tawanda Jones and, and those who are supporting her uh, as she seeks justice for her murdered brother, uh, Tyrone West. So these have been going on for a while. And so the reporter said, you know, you know, what would you say about the protest today as compared to, you know, the uh, protesters and Selma? And so the guy gonna say that well selma was a culmination of of this and that and that the leaders were sophisticated and they had a deep understanding of the issues see that's a slam right there that was a slander against the protesters that are out there in the streets right now okay marching today on MLK Junior Day, demanding justice, demanding, as Tawanda Jones would say, cell blocks for killer cops, all right? And, And so what kind of sophistication do I need? How many doctorates? How many degrees do I need to have a Nobel Prize to get out here, to understand what the issue is with cops killing people and then um, the system works not to prosecute them when there is evidence of wrongdoing, when there is evidence of murder, when there's evidence of manslaughter, when there is unjustifiable homicide, you know, the system works to get them off instead of prosecuting them. All right. This happens hundreds of times in the United States. What can, why, why do I need to be so sophisticated to understand that issue all right it's it's a joke man that these black people the so-called they have been given places of position to get in the mainstream media and run their mouths that they would take that opportunity to demean the protesters who have elected these black people into congress like a john lewis okay And so basically, this is what I'm hearing. This is what I really hear you saying to me, Mr. Black Man. I don't know your name on TV talking crap about the black protesters and the other people who have joined them in the streets against these killer cops and demanding justice and demanding change. All right, this is what I'm hearing from you. That Dr. King and all those other people that pushed for the Voting Rights Act that they just wasted their time. Their sacrifices are for naught. Because what has happened is we got a bunch of black people elected to Congress and to the Oval Office who don't care about black people. They say they do, but their actions show differently when John Lewis is among those who have voted to militarize the police. Let's not put that on the Republicans. Let's not put that on white people. Let's put that on everybody who was responsible for the passage of the leg- legislation for supporting drug uh, um, war laws that now see, uh, we see in the form of mass incarceration, re-enslavement of the African people in this country. So yeah, we, yeah. Dr. King, that's what they're saying that you, got killed for nothing that you did all that work because now we got black elected officials who have been part of the problem of why police have been getting away with killing all these unarmed people. So yeah, that's what I got to say about that. Uh, uh, Thank y'all for allowing me to vent. Now we will be joined here in just a bit. Let me open up my phone line so that our guests can join us. We will be joined today today. Um, as a continuation of our examination of the supposed free speech rights in the United States that have arisen out of the attacks on the French satirical publication Charlie Hebdo. And we are going to welcome on Mr. Eric Owens. He is a education writer for The Daily Caller, and he'll be joining us here in just about a minute or so. And so he recently published an article on The Daily Caller titled, Radical minority group at Clemson seeks suspension of first amendment. That's the title. I have linked to the article so that you can read it. Um, he provides links, uh, to support his article. Um, I actually think it's an opinion piece, but we'll get clarification once we get an opportunity to speak to Mr. Owens. Um, uh, but he reports that the student group down there at Clemson University in South Carolina, uh, called see the stripes is seeking to have Clemson suspend free speech protection under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution among its list of grievances and demands which were presented to the Clemson University um, President James P. Clements. All right, so um, we will be speaking to him in just a bit about that. Now, uh, while we wait on him to call, I actually had an opportunity to um a, have an exchange on Twitter uh with another writer by the name of Adam Sewer. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. I could be incorrect on the pronunciation. I'm just a you know country boy down here in the South, and so I sometimes don't pronounce names correctly. Oh, I think we have Mr. Owen, so I'll just save that uh radio commentary on that article that was uh written by Mr. soar uh, a little bit later, but uh Mr. Owens do we have you on the line hey Scotty is it Scotty? uh yes, it is. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing just fine, sir. I want to thank you for accepting our invitation to come on the program and to uh discuss have an important discussion, I think, especially in in light of what happened with uh the French satirical paper in France, uh, being attacked and those people killed, um, that it is important to have a conversation surrounding free speech rights and, and as well as hate speech and what's protected and what's not protected. But we brought you on because I particularly took interest in an article, um, that you wrote again, the, uh, title of the article was radical minority group at Clemson seek suspension of the first amendment now before we jump into the subject matter would you like to just tell people a little bit about your background how long have you been writing um uh why are you the education uh editor um so yeah if if you would like to share information about yourself uh please go ahead
3: oh man that's a tough one um i don't know i don't want to take up people's time with my biography too much uh i have a law degree I worked for the State Department as a diplomat um, at the United Nations and uh in Croatia uh and at the State Department in Washington uh I changed careers and decided to become a journalist for some complex reasons and now uh I'm the education editor for the uh excuse me for the Daily Caller. I also worked for a long long time with a company called the Princeton Review doing um, like standardized test prep like the SAT and you know, that test like that. So that's my (laughs) brief history of my working career. And I've been the education editor at the Daily Caller for a few years now.
2: All right. Well, thank you for sharing that information uh, with us. And the uh, first thing I would like to ask in relation to your article is, you know, words are, are important. And, you know, when I don't understand something, I should ask questions. And so, your word choice in uh, referring to uh, Cedar Stripes as radical minority group—why? Why would you choose that word, uh, particularly the word "radical"? What went into that choice? That's a great question.
3: Um, it's interesting to me. I've done a number of stories about um, what I would call radical groups uh, at colleges. Uh, this is one of them. Another one's at the University of Minnesota. Another one is at Dartmouth College, and there are a bunch of other ones. Um, They're radical because they make radical demands. And if you look carefully at the demands of these groups, and all of them have demands, some of the demands are completely reasonable demands. uh, An example at Clemson, which is the school we're talking about in this article, is that the group, which is a minority group, wants um, to—they want to change the name of a of a of an important building on campus called the Tillman Building, which is named after a politician who was an egregious and terrible racist after the Civil War. And they think that it's a slap in the face to have a building named after that guy. And that's a completely reasonable thing to say. Um, I would even agree with that. Not even. I would definitely agree with that. Let me interject something. But, uh, well, hold on. To Let me just finish to this. Point. So, but, but the, but if you consider the other, other demands, mm-hmm. like, like, <laughs> Limiting free speech, um, you know, that's completely a radical thing to say. And then there are a bunch of other demands that are also radical. So there's a mix there. But if you make a radical demand, that makes you a radical.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to interject on Til- on uh, Tillman um, because he was more than just – he did more than just Benjamin Ryan Tillman. He was born Benjamin Ryan Tillman, Jr. Um, for those that don't know, he uh, – like um, Mr. Owen said – uh, he rose through po- politics, uh, political ranks in South Carolina. Even became governor of South Carolina. Um, but he ex- he did more than just express, uh, what we might call racist white supremacist, uh, you know, thoughts and ideals. Uh, this guy actually, uh, led a raid, uh, against black people. Uh, a group called the Red Shirts, um, a terrorist group, um. Also, he bragged about killing black people.
3: So Right, he was a pro-Lyncher. I mean, he was a terrible, terrible man.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so I just wanted to, to you know, really make it clear. And like you said, that is a reasonable demand. Um, I agree we should not be having uh, buildings named after murderers and, and people who want to um, deny human rights to other people. So we're in agreement there of totally reasonable all right so the part that you found a issue with um in terms of because i linked to their their um uh, statement of purpose which has their list of student grievances and as well as their demands and as i was going through it um you know i was saying well okay which part of this does he feel like is a um, attack on people's free speech rights so what what portion of what are they demanding that you feel like is an attack on free speech
3: well i'm looking at the long list of demands here and as you were talking i'm trying to find the exact language they want to uh the exact demand language from see the stripes is to prosecute criminally predatory behavior and defamatory speech in a number of Places including social media and they're asking for a public commitment from Clemson University to do that. The problem with that is that Clemson University is a public school which takes a ton of state and federal funding and the, they are limited through the 14th Amendment which guarantees every American equal rights. Uh, and then because of that through the 1st Amendment, the, they have to, they clearly have to respect what the first amendment says which is that the government can't make any law that limits free speech and so as hateful as some of this speech may be uh and as terrible as it should be is the end i mean we you and i are going to both be in complete agreement that uh people shouldn't say you know white supremacist things or just terrible things about people in general uh it's stuff that we have uh we have to allow under the first amendment that's the law and i would argue that's you know, in addition to being the law, that's the right. That's the the laws is, is is right. So there's there's no there's no way that the there's there's really no way that the government can prosecute defamatory speech. That's not how it's done. If I defame you or you defame me, um, you can sue me in a civil court, and if you win, you have to prove a bunch of stuff, or I'd have to prove a bunch of stuff. Then eventually, uh, a civil court judge with really limited power could could um, could, could make an order saying you get you know my house or whatever, uh, or I get you know a bunch of money from you, and then you but you'd have to go or I'd have to go and collect that. It'd be upon us. But I mean the the government's only an agent for you, to to you know they're not the people who are they can't prosecute defamatory speech. That's just not there's no criminal law against defamatory speech.
2: Right. Um, In cases of defamatory uh, statements being made, like you said, there is civil recourse. Um, But I want want to read the, uh, because I printed it out, Um, I want to read, it's the first one or the first paragraph or the first list of demands, um, the first demand in the list, I should say. Um, I'm going to read that. It says, we want President Clements to immediately make a public statement from Clemson University to students, alumni, faculty, staff, administration, and media denouncing both the Crip, Must Party, and hateful statements from members of the Clemson family via social media, uh, Yik Yak, Facebook, and Twitter. Additionally, we want a public commitment from Clemson University administration to prosecute criminally predatory behaviors and defamatory speech committed by members of the Clemson University community, including but not limited to those facilitated by the usage of social media. Now we've already agreed that uh, in, in cases of defamatory speech, that there are civil courts for that civil law. But what about uh, bullying? What about cyber bullying? What about? Because I actually have uh, been in conversation with one of the student leaders of this group and they are getting white supremacist language directed at them including uh one word threats that would imply lynching like hang telling people to hang <clears throat> and so we agree we do agree that when we're talking about defamatory speech when somebody's saying something about you that's not true to defame your character or your organization, there, that's, there is no criminal penalty for that. You have to take them to civil court. But what, what about things that constitute, uh, bullying, communicating threats, harassment, uh, things of that nature?
3: Well, you know, you read the whole paragraph and, and as you were reading it, I think that, you know, I, I don't, I'm just going to throw this out there as a ballpark figure. Eighty to 90 percent of the statement is great, uh, and I would agree with it completely. I mean, this Cripness party it was a really terrible party that some fraternity threw in, in terrible taste. That fraternity has been punished, I and mean, they're like indefinitely suspended. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Clemson University has said publicly, but the fact that they – Uh, indefinitely suspended this fraternity suggests to me that they you know they 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 didn't agree with the Christmas party and I bet that they've said some things about how Clemson you know doesn't approve of of that in, in any way criminally predatory behavior that's the statement that's the phrase that they use and I think that's what you mean when you say by bullying I mean that's a hazy area of law um I think that uh you know, they're definitely. You know, I can't. You can't threaten me. I can't. I'm going to kill you. I mean, that's something that, in, in some instances, anyway, you know, that would be a criminal. That would be a, a, something that the prosecutor could jump in on. But it has to be an imminent and lawless action that is that that is light. Imminent means you know it's likely to happen. So if I just say, "Oh, I'm going to kill you," you know, or something, if I and it doesn't sound very serious, then there's nothing anybody can do. Uh, and you know. it I'm going to kill killing that is is lawless. So you know a criminal threat, a threat can rise to the level of crime, and certainly a prosecutor can jump in on that, and certainly Princeton University, which is public, could jump in and and do something about that. Um, but the the only real part of the statement that I have a serious problem with is the part about defamatory. What is it? I've lost it. What um, the, it? defamatory the, speech committed. Defamatory speech. Me. I mean, there's nothing that that Clemson can do or should do okay. to prevent defamatory speech. And that's, that's, and we're in agreement. We're, we're, yeah, in, so there you go. Yeah. So we're I mean, in, we're in agreement. they just, over, they're overreaching here. Okay. It's a very common thing for college kids to do. You right. make a bunch of completely reasonable demands, but then you make a bunch of crazy ones.
2: Yeah. But let, let's not focus on just the one mistake again, as I communicated um, to you is that, you know, these kids are getting threats. Um, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, and yeah. you know,
3: I get and you and I talk. I don't know. You had emailed me about, and I didn't know how you were going to go with this conversation about in in the comments section at the Daily Caller about a deletion that you thought had been made. And I, I want to say that you know there are people who are terrible racists who comment in the Daily Caller comments section, and I and they get deleted and banned. And it's a it's 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 something that when it happens.
2: Well, certainly I didn't post anything racist. No, you did it.
3: No, no, and I, I think if you got deleted, you may have gotten – because all I'll do is I'll delete that comment, and then I'll delete any response to that comment as well. And I know that you, you did I, – I do see your comment now. I don't know if you had to repost it or what. But, you know, I. this is – you know, the Daily Caller comment section is like a private property, and I, I want to mm-hmm. keep racists absolutely out. I mean, these are terrible people. Um, But that's a different issue – than prosecuting racism, you know, yeah. by trying to criminalize it, because what, what, as terrible as it is, I think you can never criminalize any kind of speech or belief.
2: Well, you know, I, I'm of the opinion that the First Amendment doesn't care doesn't
3: cover uh,
2: everything. Uh, the I know, other, I
3: see that, and I think you're. I just think that's wrong. I get, we're going to probably just end up disagreeing yeah, the on course,
2: that. Yeah, but the courts, as a matter of law, have already ruled that some speech is injurious. They call it injurious words. Um they also uh called them fighting words and that they are likely to incite violence, uh incite riots. Um I also remember when H Rap Brown there was a law that was passed to specifically target him when he took to the radio airways during the sixties and suggested that people should burn
3: cities down. And but don't you think it was I mean, I think it was wrong to, to for the government to do that.
2: Um actually no. I don't think it was wrong. I look at the intent of the framers and I want to get back here though. I I don't want to leave so quick to harassment and we can revisit this later, Eric. Um, but I don't, I I look out for, I'm looking at it from the view of, I want to live in a peaceful community. We ain't all got to agree or have the same ideals, but I want us, I want my children to be able to ride their bikes down the road in peace uh, not to be called, uh, derogatory names, not to be harassed, not to be intimidated. And, and so when you engage in injurious words, when you engage in words that are called fighting words, that's likely, I mean, just think about it. If, if I was standing out in my yard doing work, my child was out there in the yard and my white neighbor that lives across the street called my child a nigger, them fighting oh, words,
3: you know what I'm saying? No, I hear you. I I think so. I did want to talk in your comment. You you mentioned a 1942 case. That case is actually called Chaplinsky versus New Hampshire. Right. And in that case, there was this Jehovah's Witness who called the sheriff at a couple names, which really aren't, I shouldn't say, on the radio. And and he was arrested. And the 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 Supreme Court at a time of World War II, which I do think had something to do with this, by the way, um, just because of the you know. Everybody was, you know, a wartime kind of experience. The Supreme Court might react differently. They said that, the, that you know, like you said, that um, fighting words would be a thing that uh, someone could be arrested for. But then in 1969, there's another case, um, which which you don't mention in the comment. It's called Brandenburg versus Ohio. And in that very case was about, um, you know, a terrible racist guy who was in the Ku Klux Klan, and he had a rally, and he was going to say some bad things or said some bad things, and the government tried to arrest him. And the Supreme Court said, no, you can't arrest this guy because what he did, and I mean this is exactly the kind of speech you're talking about, um, you can't punish inflammatory speech unless the speech is likely to bring imminent, which means like right now, lawless action. And so essentially the, court, the Supreme Court will never admit that they've overruled themselves. It just doesn't happen. But th- that case ruled in 1942. Could
2: you tell the me the context, where, where the context of that particular ruling? Because I came across other cases as well, but the yeah. context was different.
3: Well, you know, it, it, there are a bunch of other cases, and and I, I actually have spent a long time since I've looked at these cases, but 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 the, I would say that the common theme since 1942 has been a, a broadening of free speech rights and a narrowing, super narrowing of the ability of the government. To to prosecute any kind of speech. I mean, every time it comes up, like flag burning, you can burn a flag. You can, you can people are completely crazy, upset about when people and that happens, but it's completely legal. And you know, you can you can you can you can say these these terrible things. And you know, the example that you said, like that would be awful and terrible. I just don't think it's it doesn't happen, which is great. What you know, doesn't I, happen? I, you, you never the example I and, gave about my child. Yeah, and and you know, I want to say too, like. You know, I mean, it, it, it actually it
2: does, Eric. Can I give well, you an example of recent what example from 2014 where yeah. a, a guy was arrested? Uh, cause I've really put a lot of research into this, and again, context is everything like a Ku Klux Klu Klan uh, rally where they have gotten a permit, like recently happened in Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, which uh, has a monument to Nathan. Uh, Bedford Forrest the leader or founder of the Ku Klux Klan that was protected speech because their speech was given in a political context and so that's what I mean by context is everything now there was this guy um, I'm, I'm I'm scrolling real quick bear with me if, if you will there was this guy before I find his name um, here it is right here in 2014 Darren Welp assaulted a man these are my words this is how i wrote it up in 2014 darren welk assaulted a man and his child with racial slurs who reported the crime to police after a second incident of allegedly shouting racial slurs in less than 10 months at other victims the 33 year old was arrested on charges of bias intimidation and see where the, was the where, where where did this happen this happened and i'll have to uh i link to the source let me get the source um let me see um oh, did i put the source on here it happened in a state up north um what's would, the guy's I, name uh darren Welp or Welp? it's w-a-l-p it's, yes darren Welp. And so that's what I'm seeing. That that's the point that I'm. I'm, It
3: happens. (laughs) Why does Darren Wau keep shouting racial slurs? That that's the headline. Um, He was arrested
2: on bias intimidation. And so that's that's my point, uh, Mr. Owens. Is that when it rises to a level of harassment, when it uh, rises to a level of intimidation. OK, and bullying in the case of, of the school, that those words are no longer protected speech.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I just I'm, I'm a free speech absolutist. And I, I you know, I was, I was thinking this through as we were talking, you know, but the, the issue is that what first has to happen and what would first have to happen at Clemson is that somebody would have to pass a law or, you know, at Clemson, it would have to be some kind of a rule because Clemson can't make laws, but it is a a government entity that, you know, tries to outlaw certain kind of a speech. Like in this case, this Darren Wild guy was charged with fourth degree bias, intimidation and harassment. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so, and what typically happens when these cases come up on, on first amendment grounds is that, you know, the defense attorney will say, listen, this law, is a violation of the First Amendment, and for that reason, these charges can't stand. You know, won't, won't stand up. So, you know, I, I, I here's here's where I'm coming from. So, would you agree with an argument from a defense uh, well, I, attorney? I, I, I first want to say, and I, I I can't stress this pos- possibly for you and for your listeners highly enough. This guy is a terrible person who deserves to like live in hell for a long time. All right, this is something that shouldn't happen. But I think that. I really have a problem with with limiting this guy's speech in, in any way through through any kind of a law. And the and the, when when you you know what I would say is that anytime you limit one kind of speech, even if it's this person who we can all agree is crazy and wrong, you, what's happening is you know it's a social social, social the way people think kind of shifts. And and it could happen that if this this law is everybody accepts it, then you know the next law against the kind of speech, you, you know, you or I could find ourselves on the wrong end of that. And I really think that the only way, to, um, I think the only way to 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 prevent that result, which I think would just be awful, is to allow every kind of speech. Now, it's this, this is you know th- this guy. I'm just looking at this story for the first time. I don't know. Um if if they, they could find some other way to arrest this guy But they're not charging him for happier.
2: his speech. They're charging him for what his speech constituted, as well as his physical actions of being intimidating, of disturbing the peace, harassing people. And, oh, Mr. Owens, if if you and I let's say um we're in a grocery store, okay. And I just came up to you and I was like, hey, I know you, I, you, you work for the Daily Caller. You, I didn't agree with what you had to say. And I just start cussing you out in public and and saying somebody needs to whoop your ASS and and all of that. And I'm, you know, I, I'm making demonstrative why I don't touch you. I'm making demonstrative, you know, uh body language towards you to where you might fear for your life. And have to defend yourself. Come, come that's what I'm arguing here. Come on,
3: let's. Here's where I think we can find some agreement. I'm looking at the very bottom of this article about this crazy Darren Wild guy. Here are the charges against me: fourth degree bias intimidation, fourth degree criminal trespassing, harassment, and being a disorderly person. So I think that let's take your example. What would likely happen? We're in the grocery store, right? So if you start yelling at me like that, if I start yelling at you like that, well, if we make a big enough scene, the grocery store manager is going to be like, I don't want this happening in my store because, you know, customers are going to leave. So he's going to be like, you can't be doing this anymore. You guys are going to have to go. I mean, that's at a minimum is what's going to happen. I'm kicking you both out of here. So then if that happens or, you know, it kicks one of us out of the store, then if we don't if we don't leave, then that, that's, that's trespassing. So, I, you know, I think that that is definitely something that but we we're also in, that, that would be a, would be a, a trespassing issue. And but then also, we, disorderly conduct. I, I think a lot of disorderly conduct charges are are pretty lame. Okay. It's like a catch-all for like, well, oh, the police don't like what you're doing, so we're going to charge you with disorderly conduct. But I do think there is such a thing as disorderly conduct. And I think that what you just suggested, and I do think that what Darren Waup did, uh, arguably arises to disorderly conduct. So I think we could charge him for that. What about intimidation? I, well, I, I don't think that bias intimidation should be, it, it should, I just don't think there should be a law against, I, no, I don't, I didn't I don't know say bias. I know what the law. And that strikes me on its face as ridiculous.
2: Well, I know that's what he was charged with, but I said intimidation. My words are intimidation. Because I, I don't, don't think
3: that intimidation is a crime. I mean, again, like you could say, people I, are I just, getting killed, Eric. If
2: People are getting killed because they say that I was in fear for my life. This person. Well, if you were
3: in fear for your life, I mean, then it, then that is there is a, a crime against threatening behavior, and part of what it means to be threatened is that you're in fear of your life. And again, that's part of a you know that that is a contextual argument. It's like, is this person yelling? Is their eyeballs bulging out? I mean, are they making threatening gestures? Are they what, what are they saying? Are they like, right. they, and, and so I. But, you are absolutely right that there is such a thing as a threat, right? And that that that's a, that that's criminally prosecutable. But I, I do think that I don't know what the I'm not looking at the statute in Philadelphia or in New Jersey or wherever this is. Mm-hmm. But I would, really would be hard for us to believe that there that that a crime called bias intimidation is allowed under the First Amendment. And if I was this guy's defense attorney. I mean, which and he's not know. the first I if, one. I don't Eric. know if I take that case, but if I did, I would. Mm. That's how I would argue it.
2: And he's not the first one. Um, one of the readers, because I had wrote an art, article about some stuff that uh Tim Wise said that I thought was just wholly irresponsible for him to say, because he supposed, which means he didn't know and he didn't do any research. Uh, but. Readers started, uh, people who read that and and heard the uh, radio broadcast, they started sending me story after story after story of cases where white men were approaching black people in public and hurling racial slurs at them. And these people, and, and they would be told to stop and they would keep doing it. And so then they ended up getting charged with disturbing the peace or uh, intimidation or, you know, I can't recall all the different things. And then there were other charges because when the police came, they tried to fight the police. So, of course, they were charged with assault on a police officer. But among those charges were charges that arised out of the speech that they were using, injurious fighting words that was likely to start a fight. It's, you know, I think
3: yeah. like, and it's interesting that you bring up fighting words again because I, I, as I said, right, I want to stress this again. I'm a free speech absolutist, so I even have trouble with this concept of fighting words. But that is the law, and fighting words has been, you know, really narrowly defined uh, un, under all this this case law um, as sort of an exception to free speech. And you know, I I think we got to agree that what this wild guy did and all these things you're saying gosh i mean yeah if i if some white guy comes up to your kid um, who i assume would be an african american kid right mm-hmm. and and says these terrible you know words about his color of his skin i i mean god i don't know what fighting word is if that's not what it is right so in in that sense like i think that that maybe that's what's going on here is that those particular words do fall under This exception to free speech, and 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 that's what bias intimidation. That's what that law is about. I I guess I would argue that I would want to keep. I would really want to limit and never, never, never try to expand what fighting words is. And if somebody tweets, you know, some hideous, you know, some white supremacist guy tweets something about, you know, race that, that somebody else doesn't like. I don't think that's fighting words because I just think that's a terrible thing that, 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 well, if a said, tweets,
2: that, that guy should be familiar. Disturb- if, if a guy's tweeting racist yeah. remarks And that's, I but,
3: had that's what, that's what the Clemson guys are saying. Like if you read it, it said not, it, it, they specifically mentioned social media. That's Facebook, that's Twitter. Well, well let me, well, let, let me
2: give you some background on, on that. Cause again, I have actually talked to some of, of these students and they will actually be coming on the program, uh, on Friday. Um, but. Um, When you're saying things like hang, you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. We all know what that means. That means to lynch somebody. Now, if you just say that to me and then you don't say anything else and leave me alone, okay, cool. I'm just going to ignore you. But if you keep on, if you keep on, and, and, and cyber is a little bit different than on the street. You know what I'm saying? If I right, try to walk to away from you. You know, you keep following me, then you know we gonna have a problem. But on the, on the internet, I can ignore it. But okay, but if you keep on, but but let me get to let me get to what the actual laws are now not even researching for your piece but researching for my own piece about five six days ago to address some of the comments uh in, in an essay by tim wise i I start doing research so i was looking at you know cyberbullying is that a protected form of speech let's ask that question let's examine those law so i i found dot Gov. This is maintained by the federal government. And it has a little, uh, um, uh, what you might call a graphic, an interactive graphic. And it tells you which states have anti-bullying laws and or policies. Some may just have a policy against it. Some may actually have passed laws. And, but South Carolina has both. It has anti-bullying laws and policies. Um, I'll just read a little bit for you and and for the listeners since i didn't link to it um this is how you can get to where i'm at it's stopbullying.gov g-o-v slash laws slash south dash carolina dot h-t-m-l and so it 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 says i'm just going to read a little bit it says what term is used in the South Carolina anti bullying laws? Harassment, intimidation, or bullying? Do these laws cover cyberbullying? Yes. What groups are listed under South Carolina state laws? And and this is particularly for schools, right? This this isn't this doesn't really apply to you or me, Eric. This applies to Schools and it says that what 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 schools are impacted by these laws? Schools that receive, like Clemson, federal funding and required by federal law to address discrimination on a number of different personal uh, characteristics. And, and it gives a link. I didn't go real deep into it, and uh, but I thought it it was interesting. And and so it also further down says that schools have a special responsibility to what is the word that they use the exact word i'm trying to find it right quick but they have a responsibility to basically i'm paraphrasing what they said to create oh here it is safe school climate act there's also a law south carolina law called safe school climate act i think
3: that a lot of these i mean I, i see as the Education editor, and I, you know, I write stories that people want to read about, so it's a lot of things that are very political. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these cyberbullying laws, are, they're overly broad, um, and that, that's definitely a problem. So we're, you know, and, and, and bullying in general, where, we're, you know, some kid who maybe doesn't know the difference, you know, he's like a first grader or she's a first grader, and they say something that's, you know, doomed as bullying, and they get into really serious trouble, and then maybe that's a little bit too much. But I do want to separate, and this is really important also. um, I want to separate this idea of getting in trouble at school versus getting in some kind of criminal trouble because that's a very, very different thing. Like, I mean, we I don't have a problem with, and I'm sure you don't have a problem with, this South Carolina fraternity um, being, you know, uh, disbarred or whatever. Suspended Suspended indefinitely by the the schools. I mean, what what a stupid thing to do. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, have some sense about what's going on in the world and what people are going to think of you. Like that's just a really good lesson in life, it's nothing else. And so, you know, and, and any time at a school situation where you know you got to make sure everybody gets along, and 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 that's a different, that's completely different than the state and that's my operating point, against Mr. Owens. you. So I have no problem with that. But what mm-hmm. I'm talking about is where you want to say you're going to be prosecuted. The government's going to come at you, and they're going to fine you, or put you in jail, or just they're going to make you go through a bunch of stuff that you have, you know, because if you don't, you're going to be even more trouble. Like mm-hmm. that's what I'm having trouble. Like if you get kicked out of South University of South Carolina, eh, it's not that big of a deal because you can go to some other college. Right. But but you know if you have to maybe you get arrested and you have to go to jail or you have to pay a fine and you have to go in front of a judge, that's like a serious thing. And I really think we want to be careful, very careful and, and about I agree. how we, I, deal with that.
2: we are in total agreement on that. But I thought it was important to recognize the responsibilities of our schools to all of their students to create a safe environment in oh so, i completely
3: agree i mean schools are a different place i mean you right. gotta you know you gotta make sure that the kids are, are treating other kids right so we're in complete agreement on that.
2: okay um so um i really uh yeah and you also have had written about and, and see i'm finding that we're more in agreement than you know when we might have came into the conversation on, on being further apart um but Again, I do want to reiterate that some of the things that these students have gotten directed at them are, are threats of violence. And that's criminal. Uh, when you, when you threaten somebody, uh, in that way, that's not covered, you know, by any kind of, uh, you know, freedom of speech or free speech protection. You don't get to threaten people. Okay. You don't get to do that. So, um, yeah um there was one thing it's not really related to freedom of speech but i found it uh interesting and you kind of touched upon you know this being a public school getting public funding and i couldn't find out exactly how much public funding that clemson is getting i tried to see if there was some database where i could find out you know what what, how much tax dollars are, are is clemson getting what i found though was um I found a list of the top 10 public schools, I forget which um university, it was an Ivy League school that actually compiled the list, and then what I found interesting is that they say that the out-of-state tuition is fairly high, and so, you know, then I started thinking about, okay, uh, how much does the basketball team and the Clemson football team, because they talk about, you mentioned in your article, they talk about, you know, the football team being like an uh, institution of or, or slavery or
3: comparing it to slavery. Do you recall what you said? Yeah, I, I, they do. And that's, that's a broader issue that see the stripes has going on. And mm-hmm. I think that's, I mean, as far as, I mean, look, what we have is a bunch of young African-American men who are going to college, but, um, you know, th- it seems like I think a lot of people would say, "Gosh, their number one job there is is to play sports," and 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 it does. I, I mean, I'm not. I don't make this argument because I think it's a really fabulous. I would have loved to have a college athletic scholarship at a place like the University of South Carolina. Uh, um, but you know, I, I I think that the reason I think that argument is is stupid is because f- for those people making it, I mean, that's a, a nationwide issue. It's not like the University of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Is the only school where a bunch of, you know, young African American guys are playing football. I mean, that's happening across the country. So for you to sit there and say, gosh, this is a particular problem at South Carolina, you know, the first state to secede from the union and blah, 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 blah that's pointless. I mean, like this is, you, you've touched upon a problem, potentially. I, I, don't, I don't know. You've touched upon an issue that you could make some hay with if you wanted to, but it's, I mean, take your blinders off. I mean, this is a thing that's happening at every college around the country where there's big time football and basketball.
2: Yeah, and I will get uh, more clarification because you know when I looked at the website, I didn't really see anything referencing that, um, or I wasn't really clear on it. But I do, I can understand. See, I have, I, I'm, I'm what you call a new abolitionist. We do, we have a radio program called New Abolitionist Radio, and we tell people that the Thirteenth Amendment allows. Um, slavery as a punishment for crime and that you got corporations, uh, who don't want to pay people on the outside, uh, uh, wages that are, uh, subsidizing their bottom line by using prison slave labor. And, and so, you know, people wrongly assert that the 13th Amendment abolishes slavery without acknowledging that it has an exception clause. You even just had the state of California attorney general's office argue against a supreme court or- order to relieve uh prison crowding by letting some people go early you know mostly non-violent so-called drug offenders and whatnot and they argued that well that will deplete california of a cheap labor pool and i'm like you can't get more clear than that and so i have a i have a problem when people de uh, minimize or minimize what slavery actually is. What, what it actually is. Now, I do can understand in the con, the point they're trying to make. And again, I can't speak for them and I will speak with them on Friday. But I, I think that, you know, and you're right. This is a national debate. This isn't unique to South Carolina or Clemson. Uh, there is a national debate about players being paid because players, particularly football, uh um um what what do we call them football programs they generate so much revenue
3: they pay for the entire it, athletic department
2: they pay for other kids who aren't playing football scholarship like you know soccer playing like, badminton or whatever yeah, it exactly. is you know and, and so they i can see what they're saying is that all of this revenue is being generated off of the football team that other people are benefiting off of without them having to go on the field and take the risk of you know injury possibly pair of uh, being paralyzed possibly death so right, i, see I mean if it, i
3: mean let's be honest if a linebacker at clemson says coach you know i, I really can't come to practice because i got a big test on Wednesday." I mean, that's unlikely, right? At a big-time program like that, you and I couldn't possibly. I might be more radical than you are in terms of of these football players being taken advantage of. I do think it's sorting itself out, though, um, because there was this big antitrust lawsuit with that UCLA basketball player whose name like uh, Ed O'Neill or Ed O'Bannon, something. Yeah, like Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he, you know, he won, right? It's being appealed, right. and then just the other day, actually, just on Sunday, um, the, the the NCAA, which is really the driver of all this unfairness, mm-hmm. has said that they're gonna up the scholarships, you know, so the kids can have some money to, you know, spending money and they're going to do some scholarship guarantees and things like that. So it is getting incrementally better. I think the kids should, like, I think if, if like in Clemson, South Carolina, if a used car dealership wants to pay some kid a hundred dollars an hour to come and do nothing, cause it'll get more people to buy his used cars. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that whatsoever. You yeah, know what he's I mean? a floor
2: like, model. <laughs> you know what
3: I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, so, so I think these kids should be able to profit, about on their likeness um and a hundred percent um and you know i I definitely think that uh this has been something where the trade-off of just getting a college education when you know i mean they're not so many of these kids come from disadvantaged backgrounds and, and 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 wouldn't have gotten into the college except for the fact that they play football i think it's been you know and particularly with the history of racism in the United States where so many of these kids are African-American, I mean, it's definitely a problem, and it's that time to address it. That's for sure. But it, that's what struck me as so stupid is what you said. I mean, this is not a Clemson issue. It's a national issue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, Clemson's is not going to be able to to, to to influence this debate. It's going to have to be the entire well, ACP a- actually, or whatever.
2: Actually, if they have, I'm sure they got a representative that's participating in these uh, NAACP, um, or the going, I mean, yeah, the N, I'm sorry. Did I say right. N- right? the NCAA uh, discussions on that? So, you know, I, I have no problem with these kids making it known how they feel about it. And I think that Clemson should be, you know, broadening the discussion to find out what all their students and, and university community feel about this and then take that feedback to the end ncaa and say look this is what our our family clemson family feels we feel like y'all should be allow us to pay them or for alumni to hire these these uh sports athletes and this is our input so i I think it's important in that aspect but eric we're running out of time man i want to thank you again for accepting my invitation to participate in this wider discussion on free speech rights, while we had some minor points of disagreement, I think that we um, disagreed on more than what might have been uh, assumed, okay? Agreed on more than what might
3: have been assumed.
2: You're right, right. That's, yeah. That's why I said agreed on more. Oh, okay. I thought you said disagreed.
3: I was like, no, I really felt like it was positive. Okay. Um, Hillis, I really want to thank you for having me on, and any time you want to talk, um, it would be awesome. Thank you so much.
2: All right. You have a good day, Mr. Owens. You too, Scotty. Thanks. Bye. All right, so um, that was um, our interview with Mr. Owens. Um, so again, you know, again, just everything is not protected speech. People don't have a right to harass you. People don't have a right to intimidate you, and you know, especially when and when it comes to a uh, racial mocking and harassing people and whatnot. They do not have a right. They do not have a right. And and in this particular case with Clemson. Um, again, as I pointed to South Carolina, uh, actually has anti-bullying laws and policies that Clemson is beholden to and that Clemson can get in trouble if, if they do not, uh, address this issue. Let me take, uh, the caller area code 803. Uh, thank you for calling in. You have any thoughts on, uh, what you just heard?
4: Oh, certainly, Scotty. It's Max, by the way
2: hey what's going on max if you could let me see if i can uh up your audio a little bit go ahead max uh,
4: well there was a few there was a few things that he said that i, I found a little unusual you got an echo going on um it might be me let me turn make sure my speakers are off There we go um he said a few things first he said the word pro lyncher i've never heard that in my whole life pro lyncher <laughs> so, that kind of took me back. It's it's weird how people sanitize things. Like, where I come from, that's called a murderer. Uh, I didn't know it was pro-lyncher. And um, also, he made a statement that was said, if you say radical things, that makes you a radical. Well, at this point in time, uh, point, calling people radicals is almost, uh, with the NDAA and things like that, it's almost kind of put them in a position where they're subject to increased scrutiny from the government that they don't really deserve for the max, things
2: that they said max, I'm glad you brought that up. I actually um was going to make a point of issue and had pulled up the um pulled up the uh definition of radical uh, political uh radicalism um I know that though, and you know that those are frequently uh dog whistles. Uh when you refer to radicals, especially in, in uh conservative media, Fox News, whatnot, you hear him talk about, you know, Barack Obama in those terms when he was a radical, you know, community organizer or he sat under the radical Jeremiah Wright. We we know more what more
4: of a accusation than it is a description. Man. Yeah.
2: But the term political radicalization denotes political principles focused on Altering Social Structures Through Revolutionary Means and Changing Value Systems in Fundamental Ways. Now, in my book, I mean, I don't see anything radical about trying to change social structures that are unfair or change value systems of a campus that are racist, okay? But what does revolutionary mean? Revolutionary means in most people's minds is pick up your weapon and follow me. You know what I'm saying? Well,
4: you know, I can relate with the students that he's referring to because this is where I'm at right here, right now. I probably know some of these students that uh, are dealing with this personally. Hell, I probably mentored some of these students, and that's the reason why they're doing that. You know what I mean? Having a person like me in their vicinity. So I I understand where they're coming from. And I know they're reaching out for the criminal aspect of it, you know, trying to find laws that protect them. And there are laws that that protect them. I think I just read them. Yes. But the main thing isn't so much that we want these laws that protect us. We demand a level of respect and dignity and personal responsibility from the people who are using this type of speech, whether it's uh, literal speech coming out of your mouth or the symbols that you put in people's faces on a regular basis. You know, somebody sticking a Confederate flag in my face all the time kind of means something to me. You don't have to say a word, you know. Right here in South Carolina, uh, the history of racism is thick and deep. And even suggest, as he did at one time, that people don't call you nigger as you're walking down the street. That doesn't happen anymore. It's preposterous. I
2: I, I let that slide. I heard it with my own ears. (laughs) I kind of let that slide because then what did I do? I brought up the specific case of Mister Darrell or whatever his name is. I didn't. I don't have it in front of me now, but people. So you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think I should, you know, yeah, I'm not even going to pounder on that. <laughs> and know. my
4: last one that I noticed is where he used this uh, phrase uh, called free speech absolutist. Okay, that that is a big problem with me, free speech absolutist, because that's what a lot of people are claiming, so to speak, now in general terms one way or another. But let's just use a fictional example and see how people would think about that. Let's say me, Max Partners, had a following of about, I don't know, 5 million people. And I was well-respected on multimedia, and I was talking to people on a daily basis. And at one point I said, you know what, this group over here, this is how we need to treat this. We need to kill them. We need to kill them all. Now, if I was to say something like that on air, the police, the FBI, the military, everybody would come
2: down on me. Am I right? Well, it depends on who your intended victims are.
4: And if my followers were willing to do such a thing, right, Mm -hmm. if people started dying, then you'd be like, oh, well, he was effective in what he said. Well, that's not a fictional circumstance. That just happened with uh, Judge Pirro on Fox News, where she was talking about the Muslims, and she started it out by saying, we need to kill them. We need to kill them all. Well, see, this is the type of free speech that isn't free speech. Uh, I did a quote recently, and you remember it, where uh, I kind of upgraded Voltaire's quote. And it says, I do not agree with what you have have to say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. That is, unless your words are meant to convince others to kill me, then all bets are off. Why would I protect your right to get other people to kill me? It just doesn't make sense. It's It's contrary to what was just said in Voltaire's statement, you know that I'm going to defend your right to the death to say it, but my death is the result of what you just said.
2: Right, right, leading to real-world examples, whether we want to talk about the 11 million people uh, murdered by Hitler and the Nazis, Uh, if we want to talk about um, the estimated, I I don't even have an estimate, it it could be in hundreds of millions of Africans killed by King Leopold. uh, Yes, on an order exactly
4: free speech on an order Mm -hmm. right so yeah that's my arguments in there that free speech absolutism stuff is for the birds that is absolving yourself of all personal responsibility for your own actions and words particularly those who claim uh you know uh, religious aspects because if you believe that in the beginning was the word and you don't think the word has any power then you're lying to yourself
2: good point all right max did you have anything else no, any upcoming it, events tell the anything? viewers to
4: make sure they tune in Wednesday at 8 PM to new abolitionist radio right here on the black talk radio network.com. Oh, uh, we are going to have a super powerful show. I already know that in, in advance right now.
2: Most definitely. All right, man. Thanks for calling right. in and sharing, man. Peace, All right. Now, um, I do want to get to a couple of news stories. Um, but I do need to take a break, but before I take a break, I want to tell you a little bit more about this building named after Benjamin Tillman. Not the building, but about Benjamin Tillman. This is not an isolated incident. They have buildings and even monuments. I mean, Mount Rushmore is a monument to racist, genocidal murderers, okay? (laughs) That's how I look. And and so this is all over the place, right? But listen, Benjamin Ryan Tillman was more... Than just someone who got on a soapbox and talked about how he hated niggers and and you know the niggers is is taking everything from us and whatever. All right, this let me read a little bit about this cat. Benjamin Ryan Tillman, born Benjamin Ryan Tillman Jr., August 11, 1847, uh, died on July third, 1918, was an American politician of the Democratic Party who was governor of South Carolina from 1890 to 1894 and a United States senator from 1895 until his death. Tillman was a white supremacist, who often spoke out against African Americans he led a paramilitary group of red shirts during South Carolina's violent 1876 election campaign and as a senator boasted of having participated in the killing of black men and as mr owen said that was a uh, we were in total agreement this building should not be named after this vile, sick human being who bragged about killing black men, and so I, I totally stand in solidarity with the students of Clemson because when you accept this kind of stuff, think about it, that's a nonverbal communication to you. All right, that. You know, we we gonna let y'all. We integrating schools now. And we gonna let y'all on the campus and whatnot, but we don't really want to, and to show you that we really didn't want to, we gonna name this building after this vile, racist, white supremacist that killed black people. So, um, I I I, I the students are getting that message, and they are right to demand that this building be renamed. So I'm gonna leave that alone. Again, I want to thank, um as always, my uh, assistant, sis, Sister Cece, for assisting us in um, um, setting up the interview with Mr. Eric Owens, who is the education editor for the Daily, what is it, the Daily, uh, I'm sorry, y'all, what is it, the Daily Caller? I was about to say the Daily Beast, but uh, that's a different paper, the Daily Caller. All right, I think it is important that we have these conversations and and more important is that you don't take my word for anything, you don't take his word for anything, that you do your own research. Always fact check, fact check, fact check. I can't stress that enough, all right? I, I promise you, I'm not gonna get on here and lie to you, Uh, but I am a human being. I can make mistakes and I might have been given some wrong information uh, by a source. And so therefore I relay that wrong information. But if it happens, I will try to come back and uh, make sure that I uh, correct myself. But again, don't trust information for no one. You know, it's more edifying if you while you listening to them, they're pointing you in a direction to start doing your own research and then you make up your own mind off of what you have read Uh, we're going to take a a break, I'm going to play this um, clip that I made today um, for uh, MLK Day Uh, there was another writer um, I was working, man I wrote an article I was almost finished it was getting late then I was shutting down stuff on on my computer and I deleted the article without saving it. So I got to start all over and writing my article about uh, this other guy's article where he says that Lyndon B. Johnson was a racist and a hero. And we hope that he will come on. Um, I will work on that. But I got to start back on my article. But as I was starting back on my article, um, I, I do radio commentaries now that uh, are played on different Uh, stations, and so I have produced one that kind of touches on it. So I'ma play that. Uh, we're gonna kick some music, uh, a short music track, and then when I come back, I wanna talk about these racist KKK flyers that litter the Pittsburgh street. Let you hear that story. Uh, that's along the vein of free speech. Uh, also the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, has rejected the International Criminal Court's move to open up an investigation into Israel on war crimes. All right, so y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Is President Lyndon Baines Johnson a hero? A debate has broken out over the movie Selma about whether or not President Lyndon Baines Johnson came up with the idea for the civil rights march on Selma and whether or not Johnson was a hero for pushing civil rights legislation through Congress, particularly the 1964 Voting Rights Act that has been gutted in recent years by a conservative United States Supreme Court. I suppose a hero is in the eye of the beholder, but what seems most perplexing are those who proclaim Johnson to be both a racist and a hero. It is oxymoronic to proclaim a well-documented racist to be a hero simply because he was forced to pass legislation by those who sought that legislation. Furthermore, however impressive it was for Johnson to get racists in Congress to support the legislation, it is still wrong, in my opinion, to attribute hero status to him for that accomplishment not seeing japanese doctors conducting human experiments on their victims made accomplishments in medical science but would it be correct to call them heroes j marion sims who lived during the 1800s is known as the father of gynecology for his approaches to treating the diseases of women however Sims made his discoveries experimenting on enslaved African women, often without anything to numb the pain. It is possible to acknowledge a person's accomplishments and discoveries without attributing hero status to them. I believe a society that assigns hero statuses to racists, bigots, and others with serious moral failings is a society that has its own moral failings. Let us stop celebrating racists, shall we? This is Scotty Reed of the Black Talk Radio Network. Join me every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern on the Black Talk Radio Live Drive at 5 at BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com.
5: The black is back in his bounder cell. Picture us cooling out on the 4th of July. And if you heard we were celebrating, that's a worldwide lie. Yo, Chuck, the fat gatherer old man trying to a 226 on your G. Yo, man, show what you got. Show show 'em what you got. This South is wild. Wait before you treat me like a Troopers always ready. Swinging the dice right, here it is once again. This is the brother, the brother, the termination.
2: the live drive at five my name is scotty reed broadcasting from behind these enemy lines um there was um you know today is martin luther king junior day mlk day and uh so people in pittsburgh woke up uh came outside in the street and found a whole bunch of trash in the street so let me show you what that trash um allow you to listen to this news report out of that area explaining um, what happened in relation to Dr. King.
0: A racist flyer found floating around a Pittsburgh neighborhood. A Channel 11 viewer called us after they found it. That flyer says it's from the KKK and criticizes Martin Luther King Jr. Our Dave Bondi went to check it out and has more from neighbors in Manchester. We got a call into our newsroom this morning. Someone who lives here on Pennsylvania Avenue saw these racist flyers on their street this morning. They're very upset. We talked to several other people who can't understand, on especially a day like today, why someone would do this. We found about a dozen KKK flyers that say they're from the Loyal White Knights scattered on Pennsylvania Avenue in Pittsburgh's Manchester neighborhood this morning. One man who didn't want to be identified was disgusted at what he saw. And he gave our newsroom a call. They're obviously trying to incite
3: some somebody because, I mean, if it, it's, it's Martin Luther King Day. I mean, this is a national holiday. There, there's absolutely no reason that those things need to be
0: passed out. Throughout the morning, people started to notice the flyers. They say it's sad on a day when we celebrate the leader of the civil rights movement. They have to look at something like this. I mean, I don't
3: think that there's probably a lot of people out there to think like that anymore i think that's probably why they're putting it out is they're trying to get some people to think like
0: them i don't think it's going to happen there were no other reports of these flyers showing up in other parts of the city those i talked to here in manchester have a message the person or people who did this it's just straight ignorant there were two numbers on the flyer in one i got a recording and a message, the other number, was disconnected. So no one able to talk to me about why these flyers were passed out in this neighborhood. In Pittsburgh, Dave Bondy, Channel 11 News.
2: Now, it, it appears to have been a white, predominantly white, I think would be more correct for me to say since uh, I don't know. Uh, but it appears to be a predominantly white neighborhood. And so maybe they were trying to recruit people. I don't know. Uh, But I do know it's illegal to litter, you know what I'm saying? So why would they, you know, litter uh, those people's streets with their trash, you know, with their garbage? And uh, that's that's illegal. That is not protected speech. You do not get to uh, litter people's street with a bunch of racist trash. All right. So we know that's not protected speech. They can have all the opinions that they want about uh, MLK but let me tell you this though if they was to put something on my door left a flyer, came up to me handed me a flyer as a black man, I would take that as a threat, I was like, you know, why would you hand this to me, What, what you trying to intimidate me or something, huh you think I'm supposed to be scared of you or what not, you know, I probably wouldn't punch him in the mouth because you know uh, it wouldn't be worth punching them in the mouth you know, so yeah but I mean, that that's it right there, though. People just think today that they could just say what they want and do what they want and suffer no repercussions. Like they're supposed to just, you know, um, just be free to do whatever, you know, and that's just simply not the case. That's simply not the case. Um, if you issue fighting words to me and I feel threatened. And you're trying to intimidate me. And I think you're crazy to come up to me in the first place to do that. I was like, he must got a gun or a knife or something like that. Why else would he come up to me uh yelling yell, racial slurs in my face? This person is obviously not operating on uh, a 100% battery. Uh, they are not dealing with a full deck. And so, therefore, they uh, need to be, uh, the threat needs to be eliminated. All right. I'm standing my ground. That's what I'm doing. All right. So now the last thing I want to share with y'all is uh the International Criminal Court. I'm going to have to look more into this. What's the exact charges? Uh, well, right now, I don't think that any charges have been filed against Israel, but I think that the ICC is opening up an investigation. And so this is what the war criminal in charge of Israel had to say about this. It's absurd
1: for the ICC to go after Israel, which upholds the highest standards of international law. Our actions are subject to the constant and careful review of Israel's world-renowned and utterly independent legal system. But this decision is even more preposterous, given that Israel is legitimately defending itself against Palestinian terrorists who routinely commit multiple war crimes. They deliberately fire thousands of rockets at our civilians while hiding behind Palestinian civilians whom they use as a human shield. And here is the ultimate folly of this decision. It's a democracy of Israel, a world leader in fighting terrorism, which is to be hauled to the dock in The Hague, while the terrorist war criminals of Hamas are the ones who are going to be pressing the charges. I won't be surprised if uh, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and Hezbollah follow suit. We see here something truly tragic. The lofty goals of the ICC are being turned upside down. The court was founded to prevent a repeat of history's worst crimes, foremost among them the genocide of 6 million Jews. Now the Palestinians are cynically manipulating the ICC. To deny the Jewish state the right to defend itself against the very war crimes and the very terror that the court was established to prevent. Thank you.
2: Um, utter and complete garbage. Utter and complete garbage. Um, Hamas, which is actually was a democratically elected political party that, uh, built up its political currency with the Palestinians because of the humanitarian services that they provided to the, uh, Palestinian people. And they have an armed wing. Does not Israel got an army? Um, and we can't even call Hamas an army really what they're shooting bottle rockets. How many people have been killed? Uh, Mr. Netanyahu, how many Israeli citizens have been killed by those bottle rockets? Because certainly U.S. taxpayers have uh, funded you with all kind of military equipment to protect yourself against these crudely made, homemade bottle rockets. You know, you're stealing these people' land, and in fact, you had just had some Israeli settlers attack uh, United States citizens. Uh, members of the U.N. consulate or the U.S. consulate in Israel who went out to investigate where these Israeli settlers pulled up over 5,000 olive tree saplings uh, from these Palestinian farmers on their land who also just happened to hold American citizenship, dual citizenship. And so doing their job, the American officials were out there to investigate this crime against these Palestinian Americans. These Israeli illegal settlers started throwing rocks at the uh, uh, American officials who had to flee, you know, lest there be an international incident. But they tried to stone these American citizens to death. All right. So it just utter gar- garbage. Uh, Hamas, um, I don't know if Palestine has a unity government yet, but uh, the Palestinian Authority, you notice he didn't mention their name, okay? And one of the reasons that they, you know, they've been making moves in in the U.N. And one of those moves was to ask for an investigation into Israeli uh, war crimes on this latest assault on Gaza, which the United States government assisted them You know, they dropped so many bombs and shot so many bullets at the, at those basically defenseless people in Palestine that they had to pass through emergency legislation in Congress and the president signed it to rearm Israel's army. That's how much, that's how much death and destruction they rained down on Palestine or on Gaza. That part right there killed plenty of women, men, men, and children um uh, even bombed a U United Nations school where people were taking refuge, bomb that. And they just come out and they lie and they say, well, they were using them as human shields and all this and that. Provide you no proof whatsoever. None. I mean, bomb an apartment build. I mean they collapsed the entire imp- apartment building said Hamas had an office in there. So you kill everybody in there. See, they don't care about anybody else's life, and that was evident in his statement. You notice, I earlier I talked about Hitler killing 11 million people. Who did Benjamin Netanyahu mention? He only concerned about the 6 million Jews that that the Nazis killed, but they killed 11 million people in total. Estimated, estimated gypsies, uh people with mental, you know, the def- um I will I don't want to use that word, uh what's a good word? Um mental uh disabilities. Okay. If you had physical disabilities, they didn't want you procreating, they killed you to gypsies, communists, other Germans who might have been belonged to the communist party, you know, uh and so yeah. But when all they talk about is the their six million. Forget about everybody else. That tells you right there, you know, that they don't care about anybody else's life. We're all just a bunch of, uh, what do they call us? Gentiles, you know what I'm saying? Who ain't worth, you know, squat. That's what I got from his comment. No, you know, he was just in France talking about freedom of speech, but they killed 17 journalists that was trying to cover Gaza. Killed them. I posted a picture of a, a pr- international press uh lying in the street dead. So, you know, this guy is a joke. Uh even worse, he's a war criminal and yes, the um ICC announced Friday it would investigate in full independence and impartiality crimes that may have occurred in the conflict between Israel and Hamas in Gaza in July. And August of uh, July through August twenty fourteen. Uh the seven week war killed more than two thousand one hundred Palestinians and seven Israelis. And seventy of those, uh most of those were what? Soldiers, soldiers who had invaded Gaza. Not civilians, but you killed a whole bunch of children. I seen those pictures of those little kids uh on the beach, blowed the hell up. I saw that. It's sickening, man. It's sickening that they are able to get away, uh, with these crimes like this. And so the ICC is, uh, now. So what Israel's trying to do is get everybody to defund the ICC. Oh, we, we, you know, pull your money out. How dare they, you know, investigate us? We're above an investigation. We would never do any crime. You see what I'm saying? If you ain't got nothing to hide, what's the problem? What's the problem? If there was no crime committed, what's the problem? Should, you know, we defund uh, black people, should we say, we don't want no more of our tax dollars going towards these courts because we ain't getting no justice in these courts. We don't want any more of our money going to support and pay these police officers salaries because they're killing us in the streets. Who you think going to listen to that? Come on, man. Come on. All right. That is uh, my program. Uh, Tomorrow is Tuesday. I'm sure I got a guest lined up. If you will bear with me, I will pull up my calendar and I'll tell you who our guest is. I believe this is going to be uh, Randall Barnes. Okay. Let me check right quick. Randall Barnes and see what we're talking about. Yes. Oh, yes. It'll be Randall Barnes. Uh, he is going to come on to discuss his article. Is being pro-black a fad or long-awaited awakening among celebrities? Okay? So, yeah, he'll join us tomorrow at 5 uh, o'clock for the live drive at 5 right here on the Black Talk Radio Network. And uh, y'all be safe until tomorrow. Peace be with you. Mm-hmm.
5: Founded on two thirds a person, rappings and beatings and suffering and worsens. Black human packages tied up in strings. Black rage can come from all these kinds of things. Black rage is founded on blatant denial, squeeze economics